Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I have liability on the brain. Um, and when I thought about hitting the record button, I was thinking liability of knowing the self. But there's a liability when you reach a deep sense of knowing in regards to who you are in the world. Um, but then as I thought about the context of this liability or what, what, what generated this thought for me was a meeting I was in yesterday and I've been post-processing this meeting and I really see um, I struggled in the meeting. Um, the struggle is partially about me really knowing myself. But there is another struggle in this meeting that relates to a different liability. And that's my dominant function, introverted intuition. And I thought about it and said, hmm, I want to talk about either the liability of knowing the self, having a deep sense of knowing of the self. But if I'm honest... The real struggle, the real impetus to this reflection is also about the liability of my dominant function as it relates to that meeting. So those two thoughts might come together in one unique way. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens when I get into the reflection. But that's the starting point, liability. Is there a lie? You know, when we say a liability, it's a burden. It's um, it's a level of um, ownership that also relates to a burden, an error. You guys, I'm going to put you on pause. I'm going to go get an official definition for that word because that feels important. So I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I laugh because you can't really tell I've been put on, uh, been on pause, but I went to look up the word because isn't that something how we can use words? I love the brain and I love the learning process. We can use words all the time and if ne we've never seen them um, or looked them up. Sometimes I use words and I don't even know how to spell them because I've never, well, I, I, most of the time I can spell them. There are times when I can't. <laughs> Um, but most of the time I know how to use the rules of English to spell a word, even if I've never seen it or, excuse me, used it. So, like, and when I'm writing, and sometimes when I'm talking, I'll say a word for the very first time. It's a word that is just not part of my vocabulary, but it comes out. It makes its debut, if you will. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm using a word for the first time. Now, sometimes I'm using this word and I can spell it because I've seen it. Sometimes I can't. But in this particular, I've used liability all, I use liability a lot. But I don't think I've ever looked up the definition. You guys, that's an unnecessary rabbit hole, but I wanted to share that with you. <laughs> that's why I went to go look up, because I, I went to look up the, the definition because as I begin to explain to you what a liability is, I was like, I don't even know what the formal definition is. Let me go check it out. Okay, so here it is. I'm not reading to you. I'm, I'm going to try to recall here. It's the state of being responsible. 
that was one definition. The state of being responsible for something else or for someone else. I don't really like that one, I, although I think it works. I'm liable to you. I'm li- I'm responsible. Okay, for you. Okay, got it, got it, got it. But then there were, there were, the second definition was the state of putting someone at a disadvantage or embarrassing them. So I'm going to stick with disadvantage. And you you heard me say the word burden. I would also add it's the state of burden, giving someone else a burden. I'm giving you a burden. I am liable to you. Because I'm responsible for a thing. And if I don't do that thing that I'm responsible for, now you're burdened with a task. You guys, this, this speaks this speaks directly to my meeting yesterday. This exactly speaks to the meeting I had yesterday. Someone had a someone was responsible for a thing and they didn't fulfill their responsibility, in my opinion. And then I was tasked. I was burdened with the task of of responding in the absence of someone else fulfilling their responsibility. Okay. All right. Let me bring it all back. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I want to talk about the liability of um, just liability of knowing the self and the liability of my dominant function. And in this case, my dominant function put me at a disadvantage in this meeting. And my deep sense of knowing the self put me at a disadvantage in this meeting. So they both relate to me being disadvantaged in the meeting. Yeah, I should call this episode the disadvantage. But anyway, I'm going to say I'm going to keep the word liability for a minute and we'll see. We'll see if I can hold on to it. If you guys are new to this project, if you're here with me and this is your first time and you don't really understand who I am or what I'm talking about, let me just give you a few disclaimers. This is a project where I'm using it as a personal journal, a public journal. I've been keeping a journal since I was four, um, and it's been private up until last year. Uh, during the pandemic, I decided to take a part of my journal journaling life and make it public. I still still very much have a private life for writing of, of journaling. In 2016 I started blogging, so really that was the 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 real debut of me going public with my inner thoughts. But the writing still was organized and structured in a way that I'm most comfortable. But in this journal, as in my journal, it is a freestyling thought process and I was able to get feedback or I don't know if I was feed I don't know if I would call it feedback but I got a response from Joyce Ming she's a content YouTube create content creator and she gave me all of one sentence maybe two I believe three would be a max the max it was a very short uh, response when I sent her the video um, of a, of a reflection that I did about s- some content that she was in. And her response to me was, um, she enjoyed listening to my stream of consciousness. 
Now, the T.E. part of me, when she's, when I read that, I was like, oh, because I told you guys, well, those of you who've been here, you know that uh, I don't present myself in an unstructured way in the world, which goes to the meeting from yesterday, in which I was at a disadvantage. <laughs> this is funny how it's all coming together. So when I'm presenting to the world, for the most part, I'm, I have some kind of order to my, my presentation. I have found value in journaling as a stream of consciousness. So when I was blogging, even though it's my inner thoughts, I still would be able to have a thesis. And I'm going to have these two to three supporting points. And at the end of the essay, I'm going to wrap it up. Right? <laughs> That's not necessarily what I do in this project. Although I think I have created an arc, a, a structural arc that makes me feel better about being in a stream of consciousness. But that, that, isn't, that isn't really how I want people to know me. Um, so then why did I contact her? <laughs> so that's all. I'm going to do another reflection on why do I reach out to other people? This is, it's all fascinating, but I don't want to, I don't want to derail. So let me come back. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to my disclaimers, I typically in my public life, I'm in my, when I'm interfacing with the outer world, I'd like to be orderly in this particular project. I am not, um, other than the, the structural arc that I have finally put in place, which I'm super proud of. Um, that happened right at the beginning, not at the very beginning, but almost at the beginning of season two when I put this arc in place. Um, and it really, it really works. Um, I'm processing my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theories, uh, Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Those are typology systems. And then those, with those two systems, I identify as an INTJ8. There is controversy over identifying with these systems. I've done a couple of reflections explaining why I do that. So feel free to go back and look at, look for anything that's titled identity or identification. It, it, you can get more about that there. Um, in addition to identifying as an INTJ8, I also identify as an African American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing social scientist and educator of about 30 years, and half of that time I've been doing leadership. And it's important, the breakthrough I had about leadership within the last two weeks is that my background is in executive leadership. The problem with me identifying as an executive leader is scale, S-C-A-L-E. I don't have the scale that most executives have. So I don't have a model of looking at myself as an executive leader because all the executive leaders I know are leading organizations of a larger scale. So the question is, and what comes up for me, and it really was, it was really evident in yesterday's meeting, while I might not have the scale for executive leadership as it's been traditionally understood, all of the skills and dispositions that are necessary for executive leadership are part of my orientation as a leader. And I've got to find a way to reconcile that gap. You know, 
I, I've still pos- I possess all the skills and the dispositions of an executive leader, even if I'm not in an executive capacity right now. And this is a struggle for me. It, 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 I don't really know what to do with it. Um, I don't know what to do with it. Um, but I think I think it's it's a burden. <laughs> it, it's a burden. I'm going to have to figure it out. Um, anyway, so half of my time in leadership is is been excuse me half of my time in as a uh, as a degree professional has been in executive leadership. And, um, or let me say that differently. I'm sorry, you guys, I'm struggling now because I'm thinking about executive leadership and scale. Um, so let me try to erase that from my brain. Half of my time in serving as a social scientist and educator has been in leadership. I think I need to go back and think about what portion of my leadership background has been connected to executive leadership. And I believe over half of it has been. So there. Um, I also identify as a critical race feminist and the short end of of that is that I'm not conventional when it comes to the matrix I don't lean into the matrix the social world is what I call the matrix I I am very sensitive, sensitive to the formulas of the matrix particularly as it relates to power and social constructs and I'm not going to apologize for the formula. I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, I'm going to be critical of it. And uh, and so if you are sensitive or you have an allegiance to the, to the, uh, to the, sorry. <sighs> Why did I hit the record button? I'm really struggling because I'm thinking about them. Um, I'm what just hit me was the person in the meeting said something in the meeting that I had said in an email and I had copied this person. So it around being an ally anyway, but if you're in, if you have an allegiance to the matrix an allegiance to the formula of the social world, you are probably going to not like this project because I do not, lean into those formulas. I do not embrace them. At least I, you know, I don't do that consciously. And, uh, so I just, you just need to know that. Okay. <laughs> this project is unedited, it's unscripted so that I can give favor to my dominant function. But I also want to let you know, and I've said this in the past to those of you who've been following me, you know this, but I'm going to say it again. If me giving preference to my dominant function is a liability because I can't really cut that dominant function off from the other functions, my other three functions. And the other thing is my dominant function is connected to my introvert, is my introverted function, which is also connected to my other introverted function, which is tertiary. So while I like to believe I'm giving preference to my dominant function, introverted intuition, there's a very strong presence of introverted feeling. That's another thing that Joyce Mang said in her very, very short email. And it was another thing that made me go, ooh, I cringed with it. Because I don't like to give that to the world. But that is exactly what I'm doing here. And I think it's part of the reflecting process. It only becomes a problem when someone has to 
interact with me based on what they've heard in this project, which is why I'm anonymous, because I don't want to have those conversations with people based on me sharing my inner world. So there's a liability when I reach out to people from this project. There's just going to be a lie. There's no way for me to avoid it. I'm just going to have to put my big girl drawers on or my big girl undies on (laughs) and um, and roll with it, okay? You guys, if you want to know more about this project, please go to my website at yournidom.com. Dot wordpress.com. So I'm in, you know, 16 minutes and I really have poked a little bit this reflection, uh, what's at the heart of the reflection, this meeting uh, that I had yesterday and it's, um, and it's complications as it relates to a burden, a responsibility, a liability. So let me try to talk about the meeting without giving a lot of details to it. So Bear with me. I'm about to go as I'm going to try to make this as abstract as I possibly can. All right. Or if it's not abstract, I'm going to attempt to make it ambiguous. I'm going to try to be ambiguous. I'm trying to try to obscure a lot of details. I'm going to try to obscure the sensory data as much as I possibly can. Okay. All right. Um, So I was in a meeting yesterday with the CEO again, and I told you, I've been talking about my relationship in this role. Uh, I took a new job this summer, and in the presence of taking on the new job, the job itself is a new position of about five years, and over the course of five years, it has evolved. So it really never has established established a firm footing in the larger organization. This is a position. Everybody in the organization knows what this position is. And the, the organization can then develop what I would call muscles around that position or pathway. I don't want to say muscles. Pathways around that position. So then there's a new CEO who also started this summer who's not just responsible for that position but for the whole shebang. And then the person that I report to as the director didn't want to be my, the person that I reported to as a supervisor didn't want to be my supervisor, wanted somebody else to be my supervisor. But the person who was expected to be my supervisor did not have anything on paper as my supervisor. So for a long time, I was without a supervisor. And that is a, I need to come back and do a reflection on what is a supervisor and what is the value of a supervisor because most of the time people don't interpret their supervisory duties in a way that is effective. And so we don't always have a positive relationship with supervisors. But supervisors do have value. And I was asking, I was pushing for a supervisor. Now, the challenge is, this is where it gets tough. Not anybody can be a supervisor, number one, and especially not anyone can be my supervisor. So on one hand, I'm pushing for a supervisor, hoping that they would put the right person in place to be my supervisor. 
The person that was expected to be my supervisor has since resigned. So now I'm back under the supervision of the person who didn't really want to be my supervisor. And I shouldn't say me because it's not personal. Who didn't want to be the supervisor for the for this position? It's only two of us who have this position. So now we're back under her supervision. Within two weeks of us being back under her supervision, she was put on special assignment. And she was not available for two months. I started the job in August. This is December. That's four months. You guys do the math. So for two months, she's been on special assignment. The other two months, there's this back and forth of, is she my supervisor? Is she not my supervisor? It's, it's, it's safe to say that for four months, I've been without supervision. Okay? Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Although I do believe supervision is important, I also, being a self-directed person, being an INTJ8, for the most part, I don't need supervision. Let me say it differently. If you look at supervision as a pie, I need a slice of that pie. I would say I'm, uh, I would say I need 25 to 30% of the supervision pie. Where someone else might need 80%, 100%, I only need 30% of that supervi- uh, of the pie of supervision. So in the 70% that I don't need, I've been really thriving. And I'm going to use the word muscle. And I told the CEO and the supervisor, in, the, in your absence, I've developed muscle around being able to be self-directed and autonomous. I've developed muscle in that way. So now you're back. And a part of me is excited that she's back because of that 30% that I need. But now she's back occupying the 70% that I don't need in a way that I can't even wrap my mind around. And so, (sighs) you guys, I really should be packing right now, but I'm doing this reflection because I genuinely need to work something out. There's something that yesterday was a, a struggle and I haven't, I need to work it out because I feel like, I feel, I need to come back to the, why I say I feel as opposed to I think, right? Because there's this profiling training that says, you know a feeler when the feelers, when a person says, I feel, because a thinker says, I think. What they don't account for is that intuition has a sensation to it. Intuition has a sensation. So oftentimes when I say I feel, I'm talking about an intuitive sensation and not an emotional one. But this is the whole point of when you have people giving content and they don't have to give their credentials as to how they know that information, which is why I often give, that's why my disclaimers are important and which is why when I talk about the uh, cognitive functions in this project, 
I always say, I'm, I'm not an expert here. I'm not a teacher. You better go do your own homework. Right? Cause I have a lie. You know, I don't want to be liable for putting you at a disadvantage. I'm going to keep saying that word and that definition. Okay. <laughs> so now she's back occupying this role as a supervisor in a way. It's not even, in my opinion, it's not even about the 70% that I don't need her occupying. It's about occupying it in a way that I think creates liability to people, the people she's supervising, whoever, whomever it is. And there are so many complications with this because I really like her. I really like the supervisor. I, and not only do I like her, I believe she has a right to grow as a supervisor. That's what I do, you all. I believe I am really good at pushing people to the next level. And although I am her subordinate, in many ways, and this happens to me a lot, I'm championing her for her in her and in, in in terms of her growth. And I don't I don't that's complicated. She sent me a beautiful text last night that made me uncomfortable. And then I don't want to go give too much, but the text was basically acknowledging my relationship to her growth. Historically, that's what, that's what I do. I'm trained to help people to grow. That's my expertise. That is my expertise. I don't know how to make peace of that in an organization that is hierarchical and is not going to let me grow. But to her credit, in her capacity, she is very much committed to supporting me to grow. She just fully doesn't know how to. But in the way in which she can do, she's doing it. And like she said, any she said any opportunity I can use my power to put, put put you at the table so that you can show your abilities. I will do that. You guys, you can't. I can't ask for anything more. Do you get what I'm saying? I cannot complain. That's all I. That's all I need. Give me access. Give me access to those difficult tasks so I can show you what I can do. And like I told her yesterday after the meeting, I said, and I know this sounds arrogant. I fully believe this. And if you're an INTJ, you'll get it. And if you're a type eight, you'll get it. And heaven forbid, if you're a type INTJ eight, then you will over, you won't just understand. You will overstand what I'm saying. There is not one task that I cannot accomplish. And, and a part of me wants to say if I'm properly positioned. 
But even if I'm not properly positioned, I can still get it done. It's probably going to be complicated. <laughs> I'm probably going to be frustrated. Like the other meeting that I had, I had a meeting Monday night and I had to accomplish, I don't even know if I've talked to you guys. I didn't even tell you about the meeting I had Monday night. I had a different meeting Monday night again with people who are above my pay grade. Did I talk to you about it? I did. Today is Wednesday. I did. With people who are above my pay grade, including my supervisor. And now I have to complete a task that really should be within their realm of responsibility. But I'm not going to complain about it because the whole time I'm doing that, I get to put it on my resume. So whether this organization elevates me to the rightful position, I can use this to apply for work, which I need to keep in good standing with the people who are going to give me recommendations. So on one hand, I'm, I am frustrated. I'm frustrated in... <sighs> a part of me wants to say I have two frustrations. One is that the supervisor who's been on a special assignment for two months is now back. And she's occupying 70% of what I don't need her to occupy. So now she's going to get in the way. That's what it is. She's just going to get in the way of what I what I can do. And I don't even think it's a hard getting in the way. It's, it's going to be clumsy. So based on the meeting from Monday night, yesterday I woke up and I sent a text message. I said, can I meet with you? I need to post-process Monday with you. And I told her, I gave her my reflection for my feedback on Monday night and how I wanted us to move forward in learning each other. And we're going to learn to do a dance. Like I said, you and I will learn each other so that when we go in meetings, we'll know how to support and complement each other in meetings. The only way we're going to learn to do that is by fumbling and learning. So Monday night, there was a fumble. It worked out. I'm 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 annoyed. I am annoyed. I'm annoyed by something. And I oh my gosh, there's so much happening here internally. <sighs> so I believe that even though she's occupying seventy percent that I don't want her to occupy, there's no better person to do that because she's incredibly supportive of me. And I can talk with her. And you, you understand what I'm saying, you, listener? To, to, if you're going to have a supervisor, <laughs> if you're going to have one, and then you're going to have one who's occupying that role in a way that prevents you from doing what you want to do, then this is the way you, this is, you need to have somebody that is going to support you and who's going to uh, uh, build communication pathways with you. And sh she's doing that. So then it makes it difficult for me to complain about the 70% that she's occupying. I'm frustrated because I don't want to talk. I want to complain about it, but I don't want to do that with her because I, I think she's, you know, I really like her. So anywho, 
So I'm struggling with that. So while so she's in this meeting yesterday. We're not, she's in this meeting yesterday. In addition to my supervisor being here and the CEO being there, and I haven't even touched him yet, is my counterpart. The only other person who has my position in this entire organization. Now, she's complicated for me, but not really complicated because I know personality theory. She's an ISFJ, and she, her top two functions are at the bottom of my shadow stack. You do the math. She is SI first, which is an eighth for me. So her number one is my number eight. And her, her auxiliary, her number two is my number seven. So, it should go without saying that we're going to move about in the world differently and can be in conflict with each other. But because I have seen her as an ally to this whole process up until recently, um, I've engaged with her as an ally. Even when she acts according to a way, and she acts in ways that it feels counterproductive or counterintuitive, or I still hold space for her to be an ally, and I still am. However, that SI and FE functions, those two push side by side. You guys, if you're an SI or FE user, I apologize because I'm about to just carry going on it. But I also want to give you permission to find me and push back on me, okay? Because I want to, I want to learn. I want to grow here. But here you have an SI function that is going to respond to traditional structures. That's going to value traditionalism. That's going to value anything that has been tried and proven from the past. She's going to rally behind it. And the FE is going to lean in to the feelings of others as it relates to what has been proven and established in the past. And although I, I often argue that NI dominance isn't limited to the future, because a lot of times people say SI is a function that's focused on the past, and NI is a function that's focused on the future. And I argue against that on most days because I feel like if NI is panoramic, sweetie. I can go in all directions. <laughs> I just don't give the sensory details of all direction. You know, and I am bound by moving forward. I am not bound by going backwards. But I have the capacity to be panoramic. If I'm saying that correctly. So, um, she, uh, so now you have these two people. We're all in the meetings, four of us in the meeting. You have the CEO and you have the supervisor. <laughs> and her whole prior, I feel, and this could be wrong. Now, this is a feeling 
This is an emotional feeling right here. I feel like she is going to align herself with anything that she's going to align herself with anything that is already established and proven in terms of power with the CEO and the supervisor. Now, to her credit, that CEO is a new person for her, so she's waiting to see, you know, she's she's checking him out. She's waiting to pass judgment. That's fine. But for the past three years, she's been working with the supervisor as her in this subordinate in, in a subordinate capacity where she's been a subordinate to the supervisor. And so there's familiarity. And so she's going to do that. And this is another part of that meeting, which is something I was desperately trying to avoid. I was trying to respect my supervisor being in that meeting with the CEO because he's her supervisor. So I didn't want to challenge her. And I was trying to find my way in that meeting. But everything that could have come out was going to come out of my mouth would have challenged her. And I don't even know if I should have. So it's not a matter of wanting to respect her. Strategically, and I woke up with this this morning, he, the CEO needs to be challenged. There's no way in hell I'm going to challenge him in, in publicly like that. And I don't even know if I'm ready to do that privately, to be quite honest with you. But I definitely know I wasn't going to challenge him in front of those other two people. So I tried to stay silent as much as I possibly could. And then my supervisor put me on the spot and, and, and wanted to know my thinking. And I tried, and I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to have to find a way to respond. I said, no, I'm good. Well, people know that I have, I have insight. They know I have insight. They know I'm, I, I am passionate about my work. So for me to be silent wasn't something she's familiar with. I told her when we first met, I said, don't, I, education is my passion point especially education as it intersects with social science. So I can be quite verbal, quite involved, quite impassioned here. But please understand that underneath all of that, I'm an introvert. She knows it. I don't think she fully understands what that means. Most people don't know what it means. And like I had to clarify in the meeting yesterday, I said I'm an introvert. I'm not timid. I'm not shy, but I am processing, I'm observing, processing, and I'm strategizing inwardly, whereas my supervisor does all of that on the outside. And it just, it's like, I'm going to say a word that's gross, you guys. It's like a vomit of just, it's just like. I can't even vomit of emotions of of scattered thoughts and it's overwhelming for me 
And I understand, I'm talking about my supervisor, I understand that that's how she processes. She processes by getting that stuff out loud, kind of like what I'm doing in this reflection, right? But it's not just a stream of consciousness. Thank you, Joyce Ming, by the way. And I've used that word in the past, but I've not really used it often. I don't think I've used it often in this project. So now, thank you very much. I will be doing that. <laughs> so it's, I don't think what she was doing was a stream of consciousness. It was like there was no stream to it. It was like, let's just take everything that could be on the inside of me and throw it out there. <laughs> let's just throw it out like an explosion and see what happens. And I'm in the midst of that going, what? And I'm trying to take everything she's throwing out and I'm trying to organize and I'm trying to align it and trying to decide how I want to position myself to the thing all while being mindful that the CEO is watching. I know. And then he acted like he was distracted. So my counterpart was like, oh, he was distracted. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Mm -mm. He was taking it in as well, giving her space to do what she was doing. And to probably give all of us space to see how we were going to respond as though he wasn't there. But he was there. I was very mindful that he was there. And then you had my counterpart who was both trying to support the supervisor in her, in her style. All while saying, knowing that I have a different style. So it was just, it was a hot, it was a hot mess. So when the supervisor asked me to weigh in, I didn't really, number one, I didn't want to. And here's the other piece that's the liability piece. I couldn't. I was paralyzed, you all. Because my N.I. was so consumed with trying to understand and take in what the hell was happening. That I could, I, 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 I was speechless. So I told my mother last night, I need to have a cheat sheet. I'm gonna have to write down five to seven things that I can say when my NI is paralyzed like that. When I say paralyzed, I, that's probably not the best framing because it was incredibly active. But you guys, if you don't know that much of NI processing is unconscious. So I, I knew it was, I, I, in knowing myself, knew that's what I was doing. Even though I couldn't fully name the process. I, mean, I couldn't fully explain it. I couldn't explain the details of what was happening because the details of that of that NI process was unconscious. There's a tip of it that's unconscious of, like an iceberg. You know, the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg, the iceberg is underneath. Okay, anyway, there's a tip of that that I, I can access. Enough to know uh, there's a lot happening and I'm trying to, I'm trying to read the situation. And I said it when she called on me. I said, I said, you guys, I'm just trying to take in and organize what I'm seeing. And then she looked like, well, what is it? <laughs> what are you seeing? I don't fully know yet. <laughs> Good grief. 
I got to find a better way of saying that. I have to find, I have to write down some phrases because I, 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 my NI wasn't paralyzed. My TE, maybe that's a better way of saying it. There it is. My TE was paralyzed. That's better. That is exactly what it was. My TE was like, what the hell is happening? And my NI was just going to work with it. My NI was like taking pictures of everything, every minute detail in that in, in that exchange, in that meeting. Now, where, where uh, a sensor, like my counterpart, as an introverted sensor, she may have been taking pictures of like physically what was happening in the room. Like who was sitting, what were they wearing, you know. Where were the smells in the room? How was the lighting? But I was taking in abstraction. Oop, there's an abstract bubble. There's an abstract bubble. There's another, there's another, there's another one. That's what my NI was doing. It was all this abstraction to pull in so that I can later make meaning out of it. I could not TE it in that moment. I wonder what an ENTJ would have done in that space. Here's what an ENTJ probably would have been doing. An ENTJ probably would not have been sitting back observing. An ENTJ probably would have been a very active, a very vocal person in that, in the vomit, if you will, in just the explosion of everything that was happening. The, the, the ENTJ could have been throwing out stuff as well. But so that was part of the complication yesterday. My TE was paralyzed because my NI was a liability. My N, my NI was going to town using the majority of my brain to figure out what was happening underneath all of that vomiting that was happening, that was going on. There was a subtext to that. And I was like, what's the unstated agenda? What's the agenda? What's the unstated agenda? How does that relate to me? What do I want to do about it? The end, I had to figure out what was being said when it wasn't being said. What was happening? (laughs) Most of my brain was occupied with that. Now, interestingly enough, my FI, I don't even know. My FI was in there with introverted intuition and more than likely having feelings, but I didn't have, I wasn't conscious of it. Now, this morning, I'm conscious of it. After the meeting, there was a moment where I got teary. I could feel like tears about to come to my eyes when she put me on the spot. And I was, but here's the thing. In, in the morning after, I'm frustrated. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I was sad. I was sad that she was occupying that 70%. I was sad that the CEO was allowing her to do that.
I was disappointed in my counterpart for doing what she's wired to do. She's wired to do it. So I can't be mad at her, but I, but I can say I'm, I'm sad by that. That's in the aftermath of me. This is, I couldn't acknowledge those feelings yesterday. And it wouldn't have mattered if I could because it wasn't about those feelings. It was ultimately, for me, it is about taking action. And I had no idea what action I was supposed to take in that meeting. And if you think that I'm going to sit in a meeting, not you, the listener, but, and, and just, just start talking randomly without a purpose, without focus, without a standard for measuring our progress, you, you, you. So I haven't, I believe she's an ENFJ. I think she told me she's an ENFJ. I don't. I got an ENFJ that I'm actually growing close with. And I might be able to ask her. I work with an ENFJ. I had another meeting with an, an INFJ yesterday. So fascinating. This whole personality says it's fascinating. But you guys, on a positive note, the CEO keeps saying he wants to put us in front of those, um, I want to call them site managers. They're principals. <laughs> They're school principals. And they, and he wants us to start training the principals. I, I want to pitch going to get certified in um, Myers-Briggs so that can be part of the training. And I get to get certified. I'm going to really try to figure out how to, to pitch that. <laughs> you guys, if I can, oh my God, if I can go ahead and get that, um, that would be an amazing win for me, a trade-off. Like You don't have to promote me. Just get me certified in MBTIs. <laughs> Let me become an MBTI certified practitioner. Oh, my God. And I think it's important, though. I wouldn't want to be in front of those um, principals without being able to help them to understand cognitive functions. I think that's essential. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start closing here because um, I think I want to close here by just talking about the liability of me knowing myself. I've spent most of this reflection talking about the liability of my NIDOM self. Um, even the liability of the supervisor stepping into a role that she still is growing in and she has every right to grow in it. The question then is, what is the impact of that on your subordinates? Now, here's the part. This is another part that makes this so complicated. I'm so disappointed. I'm so sad by this. I almost didn't get hired for the position because she said I was overqualified for it. She knew it. 
But the other person who was like a supervisor, who's gone, argued for me to have a chance to work to get my way and work my way into my right into a rightful position in that organization. And the CEO made a comment about it. You're looking to grow. Yep, I am. Well, who am I going to be until I get there? I don't have an answer for that. And I'm almost afraid of that. I'm really afraid. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Because to her point, she's growing in that role. I'm going to push her. That's just, I mean, not push her physically, but I'm going to push her to grow. I mean, that's just, that's just the, the pure nature of it all. But is there going to be a liability associated with that? Am I also going to position myself as a disadvantage, in a disadvantage while I'm pushing her to grow? It's just going to, is it going to cause a burden for it? I don't know. But this is the last piece that I want to talk about. And I don't know if this is organized in a way, you guys. I don't know. Um, when you give feedback to someone, there are three types of feedback. When you're, when someone is talking and you're listening and you are going to, you're tasked to give them feedback, there are three types of feedback. One is organizing what the person has said, organizing it for them, not judging it, not inserting your own values, but just simply say, this is what I hear you saying. There are three things I hear you saying. So I don't know if you, I don't know if, I don't believe I've organized my thinking yet in this reflection. And I don't know if you are able to do that as you're listening to me. I know after I go and I'm, I hit the stop button, I'm going to be able to organize my thinking into whatever sub points are here for me to, to process as I go to work today. You guys, it's a Wednesday morning. So anyway, I don't know. I usually tell you that to give you context. But uh, but anyway, the liability of me having a deep knowledge of myself is it's it's real. I know that I have an executive leadership orientation, and what that means is I am programmed to look at an organization from the point in which all aspects of that organization intersects. I do not look at an organization from a parts perspective. I look at it from the whole, and then I look at the parts. And the parts are not isolated, they're interconnected. I have a natural wiring to do that as a systems thinker. That's number one. Now, I'm pretty sure if I said that to my supervisor, she would go, that's fine. We love you when you do your systems thinking. Okay, so that's one part. But here's another part. Part of me seeing the whole is having a judgment on it. I am not going to judge the whole 
at this point while the CEO who's now responsible for the whole. That's not my place to do that. And as a former executive leader, I know what the, I'm not the executive leader. He is. But here's what I think was really at the emo, where the, my emotions sat yesterday. And even though I couldn't name them yesterday, even this morning, I'm just about to name it right now. This, this is the emotional part for me. I don't want to be the executive leader of that organization. Like, I don't have a desire to do that. But guess what I do have a desire to do? To be right hand or right there as a thought partner to him. That's pretty ballsy. (laughs) And he's positioning these people to be at his right side who I don't feel are fully. Let me put it this way. They can't bring to the table what I bring to the table. I don't know if I should say that. I don't even know if I I want the response fully. One, I don't even fully know if I want that responsibility. Because my rational brain says you don't want that responsibility. Mm-mm. Nope. Because the other piece that I'm learning about him. I don't know if he is as streamlined as I am. So he's visionary. He could very well be an ENTJ, you all. He could, I don't know yet. I haven't tried to type him yet. And I need to do some reading on ESTJs. I don't ever talk about an ESTJ. I don't run into ESTJs. So I'm going to do some reading on that. He could he could be an ESTJ. So I'm going to read on that. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, anywho, why am I saying that? Because I need to close. Oh, my God, it's almost, it's almost an hour. Okay. He could, okay, I don't know, I want a seat at the table right there. I don't want knowledge to be trickled down through these other power holders so that when it gets to me and then I start asking follow-up questions, you can't answer it. So then she says, oh, I have to, I don't know. I have to go back and check. That's, no, I want to know what the decision maker is thinking so I can align myself accordingly and I can respond accordingly. I don't want to work through her. And here's, here's the other piece. She's actually not second in line. There's another person that should be over her who's out on special assignment too. So you have the CEO. And then you have like um, another executive, then the director, and then you have me. So CEO, an executive, the director, and me. There are two people, two positions between my position and the CEO. So in a, a lot of ways, my supervisor is ha- getting a seat at the table. And I'm excited for her for being able to do that. 
to get some face time with him so he could see what she could do. But I don't really know his style yet. I don't know yet. So I don't even know if I can be a right hand to him. But I do know that I want to, I don't want, I don't want to have information trickle down to me. And I don't want information trickled up. And here's the thing, even if he's not effective, which I think he is, but even if he wasn't effective, I want to be right there to be an asset to him, to be a collaborator with him. And the beautiful thing about this situation that's ironic is that he's starting to, he's going to position, uh, he's going to position, he's going to reposition the position that I have so that it's getting ready to be upgraded. It's going to be upgraded. And in some ways, I think he might be right. I think he sees me in this upgraded position. He doesn't see me at the table with him as a collaborator with him. He sees me at the collaborator with those, as a collaborator with those principals. And on, on I would say, 50% of that, maybe 60%, I'm like, that's good. That's that's good. That's that's good. But I'm not wired there. That's the problem. I'm wired to be where the all of the systems come together. I'm wired there naturally. That's where my strength is. And even though I logically understand why I'm not in that position and I respect it, when you bring me to the table and you ask me to start talking, I'm not going to talk from a middle manager perspective. I'm going to talk from that executive level. And that's not my position. And, it, and this is the liability part, and I'm going to close here, I promise. I don't know if any of this makes sense, you guys. But here's the real, real issue around, here's the real burden for me, for me not about him, it's not about her, it's not about my counterpart, it's about me. I don't know if I want to learn the skills associated with being the middle manager. I can learn, there are skills associated with it. I don't know if I want to learn it. I don't know if I want to be divorced from my executive orientation. I don't know. And because I know that, like, it'd be one thing if I didn't know that I have this executive orientation. It'd be one thing if I didn't know that. So then I would have left yesterday's meeting, and then I would have said, okay, I need to grow. The reason why I struggled in that meeting is because I need to grow in this direction. That's not true. The reason why I'm was in that meeting uh, frustrated because I wasn't in the position that is most comfortable for me. Now, I am going to have to learn some skills, but that's not growth for me. That's not upward growth. But then what is growth? Does growth denote an upward trajectory? Can you grow down? Can you grow across? I don't know. What is growth? I don't know. I think at the end of the day, like let's just say I grow down or I grow across, I'm going to take those skills with me, right? 
but I'm afraid of building. I don't, I don't mind learning new skills. I don't want to build these muscle again. I don't want to build muscle around those skills so that it becomes my identity. That, and I don't, I don't know how to explain that there's a, I don't know how to delineate between, um, Skills, dispositions, and identity. Right? You can give me new skills all day long. I'm happy for it. I love it. I think that's why I'm able to move up and I can take a new position that's not, quote unquote, at the level that I want to be at. Because there's some skills in there. Oh, there's some new skills. Oh, I want those skills. Mm -hmm. Yep, I want them. Yep. But that's where it ends. Now, what if there's a dis, the dispositional piece? I don't know if that's what it, I don't know if I want the disposition of those skills. Of, I don't know if I want the dispositions that are associated with those skills because of the identity that I hold. It's a dispositional. And, and <laughs> my supervisor made a comment. She said, I know I have, I have some dispositional growth. Well, let's talk about dispositional growth. What is the disposition? What is the expected disposition when I'm in that room? When my natural orientation is to talk about the whole, but you're not you're not letting me talk about the whole. And so then they they were talking about something that on one level I should have been excited that they were talking about it. Like, oh, this is exciting, but I didn't know how that connected to the whole. And that's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to steer that conversation. And what I told her, I'm going to end here. What I told her from the Monday night meeting, which I think relates to yesterday's meeting, is that I'm used to leading. And number one, I don't know if, like in a meeting, there's, I, I want, I like a meeting to be ran a certain way. Now, I know the way I run meetings isn't the way oh, a lot of people like it. I, I ran uh, two cohorts for NI Dobbs back in 2019, and there were people, this is interesting, there were people who I don't think liked the way I, the structure I put up, but they inherit, they took it over. I don't know if the group is still going, but they they took much of the structure I put in place and they continued it. I don't think they have a problem with the structure. I think this, they had a problem with the dis, my disposition in the leadership role. That's fine. Right? That's fine. I can, I can unpack that. That's, I totally know how to analyze that. But dispositionally, you have skills, dispositions, and then you have identity. And you can give me new skills all day, every day, but I'm not going to take on the disposition. That disconnects me from my identity and my training. Really, it's my my identity. I, I think I want to think more about what do I mean. What am I saying when I say identity? It's my training. And like I told my supervisor the other day, I said there was a special project that was put on that had the not the undertone, but the overcast of race, R A C E. And I said, okay. You put me on this project, maybe, 
but I didn't get a degree in race talk. Now my third, I have my degree, my discipline as a social scientist explores race. My dissertation looked at race as relating to learning or really as related to power and learning. But my expertise is in administrative and instructional leadership and my background in terms of business. <sighs> Can I tell you guys this is a real point? This is the real point. I don't even know who would listen to this. Well, anybody who has a job and who has a supervisor should be able to relate to some of this. But if you are an INTJ or anybody that is where you feel like you are good at what you do <laughs> and you have a leadership orientation on you, then this reflection should be of value to you. But this is the bottom line. And this is where I am stuck. And you, there, I have about seven reflections, if not more, where I talk about this. Almost to the point where I'm like, don't bring this topic up again. Because I keep bringing it up because I'm stuck here. It's a place where I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. Is this the work that I should be doing? And everything in my logical, rational brain says no. Mm -mm, mm -mm, that's not true. Mm -mm, it is absolutely not true. <sighs> There's a part of my rational brain that says no. Because of positionality. I need to do the work that's aligned to my uh, programming to be focused on the whole system for production. Because it's not just looking at the whole system. I'm interested, interested in increasing production. And I look at how the whole system works together to impede or impact production. I'm, I'm, I am good at that, you guys. I, I, that is, I'll say I'm not good with cognitive theory until I can get certified, but I'm not there. I'm not an expert there. But in terms of organizational production, that's my jam. That is it. So I need to be in a position where I can do that. But then the survival part of me, and the energetic part of me, and I don't know, the self-preservation part, this is the part that's confusing, because a lot of self-preservation aids are entrepreneurs. But for me as a self-preservation person, I'm trying to preserve energy. That feels very five. I'm going to read self-preservation five. There's a part of me that doesn't want to spend the energy on having a bit, uh, doing the business because it's going to be taking energy away from doing what? And that would denote that there's something other than that business that I want to do. Because if that business was solely what I wanted to do, it wouldn't matter if I was using all my energy there. But there's another piece of what I want to do. This is a breakthrough. I feel like I know the answer, but for whatever reason, I won't lean into it. And it has a lot to do with survival 
And I wonder had I not experienced that hardship and had I not lost my structural supports, would I be thinking differently? But right now, I'm very much aware, well aware of. I'm all I have right now. I have to keep it together for my own survival. And so I don't know how many... Oh, that's so hard. Because I've been a risk taker, not because I like risk. I wonder which personality enjoys risk. It's not, it's not, it's not me. I don't, I'm not against risk, but it's not like I'm like, ooh, it's not, I'm not, uh, I don't, I'm not risk seeking. I'm growth seeking and growth denotes risk. You're not going to grow if you can't take a risk. Several of them. So that's why I've become risk tolerant. That's the word. I'm risk tolerant because I'm growth seeking and there's some people who are risk seeking I wonder if that the SE if that's more in the S extroverted sensing realm which is in my stack which is probably why I'm, I'm able to take risks hmm, that's interesting so I don't know I, I, I don't know if I should fight to get properly positioned in this organization because is there ever going to be a position other than running it? That's what I had to ask myself. Do you want to run it? I don't think so. But do I? <laughs> I don't know. And I say no because I don't, I don't, I, I want to, I do want to run schools, uh, but I want about five of them. Three to five. I said three, but I, I like five since I'm working for five schools now. And I want to push those schools into the highest level of production and do amazing work with a population of students that no one believes in. And I want to show you that I can do it, that it can be done. Not just that I can do it, that it can be done. Let me show you what these kids can really do with the proper structure, with the proper leadership. I don't want to do it in this, this structure, in the organization I'm in. I don't want to do that work. So I don't want his job. But would I like to help him calibrate and help him to do his job better? Yes. And I'm not going to be satisfied until I'm properly, I'm positioned there. But then I'm thinking to myself, that's going to take a lot of work to, to, to maneuver my way to that place. Some A coworker of mine sent me a text last night. And she said, you, you, you're experienced. You'll know how to maneuver your way. Yeah. But do I want to? Do I want to use my energy to do that? Do you understand the conundrum? Can you hear it? I don't want to use my energy to do it. But there's no other place in that organization I want to be. So maybe I just want them to put me there. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the truth. What does my granddaddy say? Tell the truth and shame the devil. Maybe I just want to be positioned there. So that I can still use my energy for my business. But then do what I'm good at. And I think that's the takeaway for me. Out of all of that, I need to ask myself, what is most important? Preserving my energy so that I can do the other work and figure that out. 
And that's the part too. I don't feel like doing that work. That's not true. That's not true. I don't mind doing that work, but I don't want to do that work and not have an income. If I can, this is what I was, why I was trying to partner with this other organization. If I can do that work, And, and, and figure, and, 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 and my structural world doesn't have to fall apart. Hands down, sign me up. I'm in it. So right now I'm being governed by my structural world. That's what's, well, that's what the crux is. My structural world is dictating that I need a certain level of income. And now, I'm trying to figure out with this income how to better position myself. So that's what do we have? The three situations we have income. So some kind of income. <sighs> Positionality. And impact. And I don't know. I don't know how to resolve that right now. I don't know if you're listening though, and you have some ideas, or if you've, been, especially if you've been in this position before, I would love to hear your input. I I don't often ask for advice, but I would love, love, love to have an advice. I would love. I would pay a coach. I would pay. Someone. I don't have a lot of money to pay them, <laughs> but it, but I need somebody who has the chops to go there with me intellectually. And most coaches that I've met, I've met a couple, but then who could do it? But so, um, you guys, I, I'm going to just end it here. I'm sorry. I don't have a nice little bow to put on it. Um, we'll see. I feel like there was a lot here for me. I hope you can get something out of it, but I, this reflection isn't done. It's far from being done. Cause I, I also want to talk about, like, I got it. Those three people, I now have to move about in the world and have relationships with those three people. My counterpart, my supervisor, and the CEO, all while trying to figure out how to be at peace with the current position I'm in. Or not. I don't know. If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart at this conversation about uh, positionality again. About liability about the NIDOM process, the TE paralysis, about disposition, identity, training. I'm trying to think of some other themes that came up. Energy, preserving that energy, using that energy, negotiating how to use that energy. If any of those themes are related to conversations you've had in the world, would you please take this link and share it with those participants? It's a longer reflection, so please, please do me a favor and and be willing to tell them where to fast forward in the reflection. Okay. If my moving about in this reflection has inspired some randomness in you, I would love to hear that. I think it might help me. So, share. Sh sharing is caring for all of you FE users. <laughs> Share with a sister and come to my website uh, and contact me and give me your can give me those um, random nuggets, please. 
You can find me at my website at yournidom.wordpress.com, Twitter, yournidom1, Facebook, nidom leadership, YouTube, yournidom1, ooh, YouTube, yournidom. Let me give you your homework assignment. I'm going to put you on pause and gather myself one second. I don't often ask you to think about work. Uh, Excuse me, I'm back. I don't often ask you to think about work because I want to attract people who may not be quote-unquote working for income. But whatever you do, to, however you define your work, if you're if you are a stay-at-home mom, uh, if you're a full-time student, if you're a CEO, <laughs> however you define your work, my question is: Do the skills that you are using? Match your natural disposition. Is there an align? Is there an alignment between your disposition and your skill? Your your skill set, your active skill set. I don't think that's that's not that's really not what I want to ask you. No, 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 no. Does your disposition match the job that you are tasked to do? Okay, here it is. Here it is. Does your disposition match the task at hand? And what's coming to mind, you guys hear me talking about the television show Parenthood. And I talked about, I talked about, okay, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But anyway, one of the Marion characters was an attorney. And she, they, she had a daughter and then they adopted a a teenage son um, and trying to be a good mother was in conflict with the demands of that job and they were putting her on track to be partner and so being on the partner track would meant that it had to be prioritized over being a mother so she decided to be a mom to be an ad full-time mother but when she found out is that her disposition in the world, who she is in the world, didn't match that role of being a full-time mom. It didn't match. And she hit depression. So I think that's the question I want to ask you. Does your disposition match the task at hand? If so, how? Just be able to explain it. That's a good thing so that when you hit bumps, you can have it be at peace. The disposition, match my disposition matches the task. But if it doesn't, ask yourself what, um, what's the beard, what is, what would be an alignment? What needs to change your disposition or the task? And I don't believe I don't believe you can really change your core disposition. Do I think you can modify it? Yeah, for a certain period of time, but I don't think you can change your disposition. And I'm I'm going to say that in pencil. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to put that in pencil. So if I need to come back and erase that, I can. 
Can your disposition change? I don't know. But I'm right now saying that, that your core disposition cannot. Because I think your core disposition is connected to your identity. So how does your how does the task at hand match the disposition? And if it doesn't match, what needs to change? Lord help me. <laughs> so anyway, you guys, thank you for hanging out for this very long reflection. It was long, but it was all on purpose. And I hope you got something out of it. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.